open up to Hebrews 13. You may remember when we last were there, we had ten points. We made it through three. So this could go a couple more weeks, I don't know. We still have ten points. But um, before we uh, run too far down that trail, we're going to read together the, the uh, chapter of Hebrews 13. Every once in a while, I don't know if you guys know this, the, there are <clears throat> blessings in our life. Um, well, you know, the Bible tells us, or at least the song did, to count our many blessings, right? To be aware of all those blessings. And occasionally I think that, that technology is a blessing. It's not always a blessing, just in case you were wondering. Every once in a while it doesn't want to work at all, which makes things a little trickier. But it's working now. Let's see what we got. Hebrews 13, verse 1, Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral, uh, sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. For He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. For Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tents have no right to eat, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So, Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp, And bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now may the God of peace who brought you again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, 
by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with all of you. Let's pray. Father God, we pray, Lord, that you give your blessing to your word. For God, we want to allow your word to be that final arbiter in our life. That our lives are to be not conformed into the image of this world, but transformed as we renew our mind according to your word, that we would become like you. That we might be like your son. That we might follow that example laid out before us. God, I pray that you would be glorified and magnified in all these things as we lift them to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. So last time I said there, there are ten things in this exhortation that the writer of Hebrews is trying to help us understand. This is what we should do. He said, the whole book gone before telling us about the excellency of Christ, His supremacy, everything that is great and glorious about Him, is then brought us to the point where we say, so what do we do now? And that's Hebrews 13. Here's what you do now. You remember the first thing we talked about was responding, learning to respond with love toward one another. He begins in verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Right? So we need to be committed to brotherly love. In verse 2, he says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. So he says, be careful how you treat others. The point of that story is, you know, every once in a while, that person you reach out to, that person you help may be an angel, and you may never know it. So he's saying the challenge to us is treat everybody that way. You know, that person you bumped into that you don't want to see. Treat them like an angel. Like you would if it was an angel. When Lot knew the angels... The, the, the men had come to visit Sodom and Gomorrah. He tried to protect them, right? He brought them into his house. Now, admittedly, he didn't do such a great job. I get that. But his heart was to take care of those guys, right? He cared. So it, as we consider this idea of responding with love toward one another, we need to be committed toward brotherly love and be careful how we treat each other. We talked about this last time. In verse 3, remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them. And those who, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. So part of our loving one another, right? Part of loving one another is not only being careful how we treat other people, not only having brotherly love toward one another, but being concerned for those who are suffering, having difficult times. God wants us to be compassionate. He wants us to be compassionate toward one another, to identify with them as though we were in prison with them or as though we were suffering in the same way they are. One of the, one of the biggest keys to empathy in our life, to having empathy toward others, is to be able to put yourself in their shoe. When we're not able to put ourselves in their shoe, you can't empathize and you won't have compassion. 
That old saying, you guys remember it, there but by the grace of God go I, right? The idea of being able to put ourselves out there. So he's wanting us. He's saying, very first point, be committed to loving each other. And love each other in reality, not a word. That's the easy part, right? It's like if you come to me and say you're hungry and I say, be filled. Did that fix it? Right? Words are the easy part. We want, we want, truth is when word and deed become one. And what we say and what we do. And we want that kind of consistency we'll see in a moment. The second point we talked about last time. Reaffirming our loyalty to God's institution of marriage. God designed it. God put it together. And that's how God intends it. We can try to argue all you want. I I don't argue anymore. I just say your argument's not with me. It's with God. If the Word of God is your final arbiter, if the Word of God is the final arbiter of truth in your life, then when God says this is how it is, how it is, period. If that's not how it is, God's Word is not your final arbiter. You are. That's okay. You just need to be aware that that's, that's the way... And there will be inconsistencies that come as a result. He said in verse 4, Let marriage be held in honor among how many? All, right? So not just married people, is it? Everybody. Married, unmarried, single. Everybody should hold marriage in honor. It is an honored institution designed by God. God's the one who did it. You remember the whole Adam and Eve story? You guys with me? Well, you remember how it happened? There's a whole marriage ceremony that takes place in chapter 2 as God brings Eve to Adam. You remember? Just like a father brings a bride to the groom today. And Adam declares, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She'll be called woman for she was taken out of man. For this reason, God said, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one. Two shall become one. Picture even of the triune God. We talked about that last time. And let the marriage bed be undefiled. Undefiled. The God created sex to be enjoyed by husband and wife. And then he says, For God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. If the wedding bed is undefiled, then every bed outside of the wedding bed is defiled. You get it? The wedding bed is undefiled. Every bed outside of the wedding bed is defiled. It's bad. It's it's against God's purpose and plan. It's against Him. If we're going to allow the Word of God to, to be our guide, right? Our final arbiter. We're following Jesus. That's His way. This is what following Jesus looks like. What's the third thing we talked a little bit about last time? We should resist the love of money. Look at verse 5 and 6. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Three things we talked briefly about. I'm just kind of giving you the highlights of last week. The first thing is, in order for us to be content... In order for us to have contentment, to be content with those things that we have, then we need to have that second part, confidence that He will never leave us or forsake us. If Christ is your treasure, and you're confident that He will never leave you or forsake you, you'll be content. If Christ is not your treasure, there's always something shinier. There's always something more, there's always something better, there's a a better mountain to climb, there's a higher place to jump there's a greater place to soar i don't know there's this world is 
is full of things that don't satisfy. So that we can recognize that the thing that does is Christ. So if I want contentment, I need confidence. Because He has said, He'll never leave me or forsake me. If Christ is enough for you, then contentment's not hard. That's why Paul could say, whether I abase or abound, whether I got a lot or little, I'm content in all things because I have Christ. I have Christ. If I have a little, I have Christ. If I have a lot, He's what I need. He's what I need. He's my treasure. So I have confidence in that. And that confidence leads to the courage. What's the courage? What can man do to me? What can man do to me? Basically, guys, the thing that stops us from being able to impact our world with the love of Christ is the fear of man. That's just a reality. The reason why we don't share with somebody or the reason why we don't talk with somebody is we're afraid that we're going to offend them or we're afraid that we're going to look stupid and none of those things are elevating Christ as treasure. So when, when we are going out, what's holding us back, the things that are holding us back is not having Christ as treasure. If Christ is treasure, well, let's do this. Let's just talk about football for a minute. Anybody got a favorite football team? Nobody got a favorite football team. You guys are a bunch of liars. I, I watch football. Cowboys. What else? Oh, I heard a boo, so there's at least some non-cowboy fans, right? Broncos. Broncos. Oh, we got Bronco fans. Now, if we sit around, Seahawk fans. See? Look at them all come now. So if you love your football team, what do you do? If somebody starts talking about their football team, what do you do? Oh, no, you stand up and say, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Steelers ain't all that. Oh. They are. Yeah. I don't know if I can make that case. But anyways, we do. We argue, right, for our team. We argue for our team. Now, just hold on to that idea for a minute. It is unloving if we allow someone to think they have the truth when you know they don't. And if Christ is your treasure, you can't be quiet. You've got to share. You've got to say, oh man, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me share with you the truth of what God's done in my life. And so the fear of man won't control me. So that all falls under, don't stay, hold back, be content. Don't let the, the, the desire for riches control you. The idea is, it's not about that. It's not about how much money I'm, I can make or lose if I follow Jesus completely. Oh man, I, uh, if I follow him completely, maybe nobody's going to come to my shop. Maybe they won't. But Christ will be honored. I don't see the downside. Christ will be honored. Well, if I share, I'm going to offend somebody. And if I offend them... Well, what happens? I don't know. They may be offended, but Christ isn't. Christ is not offended because you said, I love Jesus. Christ is not offended because you said, I love Jesus, and I think maybe you're headed the wrong way. Christ's not offended. They might be. They might be, but Christ isn't. Who who do you want to offend? The friend or your Lord? 
Now I know in, in life, in reality, when we live our lives consistently, we don't offend those who lord over us. No, we don't do that. Maybe we ought to, but we don't. But Christ is Lord of Lords. King of Kings. And that that was something that really changed the way I viewed things in my life. Because I was so afraid to offend somebody else. And and I've actually experienced where it gets offensive. But let me tell you you what happens. I've had conversations that I'm trying not to offend, but offending happens. So the person's offended and they're upset. And they're angry, and Christ, through His Spirit, just gave me a peace and a calm. And you know what the Bible says? A soft answer does what? Turns away wrath. So I sat there just softly talking. I'm not not softening the message, but just softly responding. And you know, I watched God calm them down. And it ended up being a very good thing. But it won't ever happen. It will never happen if I'm only afraid of men. What's men going to do to me? What's man going to think of me? I want to have contentment in Christ. He's my treasure. He's the thing I want to hold above all other things. So I'm going to resist the love of money, but I'm going to exalt the love of Christ. That was our third point. Fourth point. Now we're all caught up. Follow the example of godly leaders. Verse 7, Hebrews 13, 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, and consider the outcome of their way of life, and imitate their, what's that next word? Faith. Okay, let me say it again. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life, and imitate their faith. faith. Something specific we're supposed to imitate, right? Paul said it like this. Imitate me, and then the next phrase, as I imitate Christ. Follow me following him. Now, we can all probably think of a leader that we have followed or we cared about that maybe got off track. But we're not supposed to follow them off track. We're supposed to follow them as they follow Christ, right? We're supposed to imitate their faith. The faithfulness that they have. So we want to follow godly leaders. And look, you can have lots of godly leaders. You can have lots of them. I I, I think it's, I don't think it's a bad thing. I have several. I got, I got guys that are my go-to guys. I'll call up on the phone and say, oh man, uh, I'm in a mess. What do I do? And usually they say, man, I never heard of somebody doing something so dumb. (laughs) I'll pray for you, brother. But at least I have somebody that I can talk to, somebody who's going to pray for me. We all have to have that. We all have to have that. And prayerfully, I can be that for some of you, and some of you can be that for one another, right? That those who are able to teach you the Word of God, follow those examples. Listen to the exhortation. Hear the challenge and allow that challenge to infect our lives. And ultimately, what's the goal? Not just to to hear, not just to look into a mirror, see what's wrong, and then leave and forget what we saw in the mirror, right? It's to look in the mirror of the Word of God, allow the Word of God to show us those areas of our life that need attention, and give them attention. Wipe the smudge of dirt off our face and continue. So our goal, follow the example of our godly leaders. Their conduct, it says in verse 8, For Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That sounds like consistency, doesn't it? 
You know, inconsistency is a sign of a failed argument. Inconsistency is a sign of failure in our lives. Failure in our lives to follow through with what we profess. Right? Remember I told you the talking's the easy part? We, we, there's no woman in here married to a man that only ever wants him to say the words, I love you, and never show you, I love you. Right? Nobody wants that. People want reality. What did I say reality was? Reality is when words and deeds become one. Now you have truth. Truth is when what you say and what you do come together. When I profess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and then my life is consistent with that profession. You guys get what I'm saying? Consistency is important in our life. And a lot of times we, we make, we have so many different rules, sometimes it's hard for us to cover them all. There's a really easy one. Make Jesus your treasure, love God and love people. That's it. That's it. Everything else comes out of us getting out of shape one way or another. We want to have consistency in our character. Because the one we follow is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Consistent. The fifth thing we want to do is refuse to listen to wrong teaching. Refuse to listen to wrong teaching. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those who are devoted to them. So there's a danger here. What's the danger? To be led away. To be led away by what? Well, he said to be led away by diverse and strange teachings. We want to, and it's why we emphasize this idea of the Bible being a final arbiter. Now, I always hear, or I often hear people make this argument. Well, you can make the Bible say anything you want it to. No, you can't. It says what it says. If you can't tell when somebody's tap dancing with the Bible, you probably need to spend a little more time in it. You want to know if somebody's tap dancing? They're flinging you a verse here and a verse there and a verse there and a verse here and nothing's in context and you're not going through a chapter and seeing what's going on and so you pull this sentence here and that sentence there and that sentence there. And if I sat down in your classroom and I tried to teach you English that way out of Shakespeare, you would say, I'm so confused. What are you doing? None of that makes sense. Those things don't all go together. You can't do Romeo and Juliet and then, and then take a line from Hamlet and then take a line from Macbeth and throw them all together like they belong. You guys know that, right? So we don't want to follow that. When you see that, you should have alarms going off. Ding, 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 ding. What's going on? What's going on? We, we study the Bible the same way we study anything else. In context. What's going on? It's not hard. It's not hard. It just takes time. Yeah? It takes time to follow it. We want to not listen to wrong teaching. It's one of the things I love about Calvary Chapel. I don't love everything about Calvary Chapel. Hopefully they're not listening to this tape. Because they'll say, what? I don't love everything about it. I don't like politics. I don't do politics very well. I don't like politics. Now... I'm sure I have politics in my life. I'm sure I do. I'm sure usually the things we don't like we're guilty of, right? Have you guys experienced that? 
But I don't like politics very well. I just like this. I want to teach the word verse by verse, precept by precept, book by book. We're going to go through the whole entire Bible. And when we get to the end, we'll start over again. And we'll keep going because I believe that the word of God that God has given to his church so that she could be equipped and ready for every good work that she wants to do is God's final arbiter of truth for me. So my job is not to take it and make it into my image. My my, My job is to take it and let it change me into his image. Right? His way, not mine. I don't know about you guys. I had 13 years of trying to make my life make sense by myself. And I just make a mess. I ruin it. Don't take me very long. I got no business doing... There's a lot of things I cannot do at all. I got no business working on a boat. You want to see a boat just be worthless? Let me work on it for 15 minutes. It'll never start again. I got no business building something. Unless you are looking for the leaning tower of pizza. I don't, there's, man's got to know his limitations, right? Man's got to know his limitations. Look, I, I want to recognize that God's word is the final arbiter and it's his way, not mine. When I was doing it my way, nothing good come out of it. When I was doing it God's way, it's still hard. But it was good. Still hard. I'm not going to lie to you. It's hard. But it's good. And it's worth it to let Jesus Christ be that treasure in our life. So he says, it's good that your heart is strengthened by grace. It's the grace of God that empowers us, not by foods. Everybody's always got some kind of hang-up. You put anything in there for foods. But in their day, there was always this problem. Well, should we eat this or shouldn't we eat that? Or maybe it's, should we worship on this day or should we worship on that day? Or maybe it's we should worship this way and not that way. There's lots of rules that people come up with. But God says that our hearts should be strengthened by His grace, the unmerited favor of God. And where God has told us, we follow His direction. And where God hasn't, you have freedom. Enjoy the freedom you have. Enjoy the freedom that God gives not to be bound up That's what religion means, to be bound. Jesus didn't come to bind you. What did he say he came to do? Set you free. To take off the shackles of sin and let you for the first time experience freedom in Christ. The sixth thing we want to realize through faith in Christ that this place is not my home. If, C.S. Lewis said, you search throughout this world and you find that things in this world are not able to satisfy you, it is a reasonable conclusion that you were made for something else. We're made for something else. So what the Word of God declares to us in verse 10, Hebrews 13, we have an altar 
from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals, whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest, as a sacrifice for sin, are burned outside the camp. So here he's given us an illustration. This illustration of Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, what did you have? You had two goats. One was called the Azazel, the other one the offering. The goat that was the offering would, would be killed outside the camp. His blood brought in to the Holy of Holies and sprinkled on the altar. The other goat, the Azazel, would be confessed over. The sins of the nation would be confessed on him and he'd be set free. As far as the east is from the west, the sins going outside the camp. The blood coming from outside the camp to purify the people on the inside. So one dies for our atonement. The other is released, removing our sins. Hebrews 13.12 says, So Jesus suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through His own blood. So Jesus the same way. He dies outside the gate. Outside. Did, Did Israel want Him? He came into His own and His own received Him not. Right? They said, no, no, no. So he dies outside. What does that mean? He dies outside. He made this place. He created the world. He called out of the nations his own special people. And even they rejected him. If there's somebody who's a greater picture of not having a home or a place where they belong, I don't know what it would be. And that's the one we follow. Don't you ever feel like that? I know I do. I mean, I know there's times where where I'm excited and everything's good, but for the most part, I just want something else. I want something more. I want some more peace. I just want to be where Christ is. I'd like to see the end of all this labor, and and I know that maybe that's not the time yet. We still have more work to do. I know that because we're still here, right? So we got to stay busy and being a part of it, but Man, I long for the other. I long for, for being able to be with Christ, be like Him. So Jesus suffered outside the gate. Now listen to verse 13. This brings the thought all the way around. Therefore, let us go outside the camp. If outside the camp pictures the fact that I don't belong here, I want to go outside the camp. Because outside the camp where Christ died, that's where I belong. That's where I find my home, with Him, in His presence. So He says, therefore, go outside the camp. And what's the next phrase? And bear the reproach He endured. What's that mean? Let me tell you, you pick Jesus. If you pick Jesus, and word and deed become, come together, become truth, then you will endure the same kind of things He did. People will be offended by you. They'll say you're judgmental. Because you're loving enough to say, that's sin. It's unloving for me to let you kill yourself. It's loving for me to at least let you know you're killing yourself. Stop. So if I go outside the camp with Jesus, if I align myself with Him, then I'm outside. I don't belong That's not my home. My home is now with Christ. So if I've gone outside, if I have moved outside, then I need to realize that my faith in Christ means that this is not my home anymore. I'm made for 
something else. Look what he says in verse 14, so you can kind of see it come together. For here we have no lasting city. We seek the city that is to come. We seek the world in subjection to Christ. We seek the world under the kingdom, right? Jesus said, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? He talks to us about thy will be done on earth, how? As it is in heaven. heaven. Let that kingdom reign here. That's, That's the thing that we long for, the city that will last. Where man's not slaughtering man anymore. Where people are treating one another with respect and tolerance and love. The real stuff. Not the stuff the world preaches. Because the stuff the world preaches is a lie, man. You can't tell? All of that stuff, that's not real. We seek a city that belongs to Christ. If we pick a side, if we stand with Jesus, then you will suffer the reproach of Christ. If you stand for Him, just take the time, pick it sometime this week and say, I'm going to stand for Christ in this situation and watch what happens. That's what the Bible said would happen. The Bible said if I go outside the camp, it just tells me this is not my place. It's not my place. My king doesn't rule yet. My king doesn't reign yet. But I'm choosing to suffer the reproach of Christ rather than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Everybody makes a choice, guys. It's black and white. There are no gray. Only where there's gray is in Hollywood. Everywhere else, black and white. Jesus made it simple. He said, you are either for me or... There was nothing in between, was there? Was there neutral? Was there a neutral zone? No neutral zone. There's no neutral zone infractions. That's good news. Black or white, with me or against me. And if we pick with him, then we're longing for a home, for some place other than what we experience here. A place I belong, I was made for. One of the things always resonated with me, I've shared it with you guys before. You guys all remember the TV show Cheers, right? Don't tell me the pastor's going to talk about a bar and the, the movie or a TV show about people drinking and bad stuff happening. And well, you know they had a song for that. You remember it? That song always kind of resonated with me. A place where everybody knows your name. Yeah. Is there somebody who don't want that? You know, I want to belong somewhere where nobody loves me, cares about me, doesn't. I say I'm a hermit, you know, and I'd like to go live in a in a hollow tree somewhere, but I don't really want to. Maybe I just want a few, right? Everybody's, oh, okay, 10 people. Oh, maybe 20. Okay, 50, maybe 100, I don't know. But we all want a place where we belong, right? This is our crew. This is where we fit. Man, that's, I, I, I pray that you find that in Christ because it's a great place to belong. Seventh point. Return the glory and praise to God. Look at verse 15. Through Him then, let us continually... How often is that? All the time. Well, look at there. 
Let us continually offer up the sacrifice of praise to God. And in case you're wondering what that is, he tells us. That is, you guys see it? It's so hard to understand this stuff, isn't it? That is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. The fruit of the lips, the sacrifice of praise, is acknowledging the name of God. That he is Lord and Savior. Yehoshua. God saves. Yahweh, I am the becoming one. I'm everything you need. Whatever you need. Anytime we acknowledge His name, anytime we praise His name, anytime we glorify His name, anytime we thank His name, we're offering the sacrifice of praise. So that seventh point, give Him glory. Give Him praise. It it really helps change our attitude if we just be a little more thankful. No? Give a little more glory to the Lord. Give Him the sacrifice of praise. Look what he says in verse 16. And do not neglect to do good. Oh, don't be afraid to do good. It's okay. Yes, someone will hate you for doing good. Is that a problem? It's a prerequisite. People have to do good to me if I do good or I'm not going to do good anymore. Because then we have to go back to the point we just left. We're outside the camp, suffering the reproaches of Christ, right? No good deed will go unpunished. Nobody ever told you that? Good deeds get punished. That's all right. Don't be afraid to do good. Don't be afraid to share what you have. It's a blessing in that. There's blessing in sharing. There's blessing in doing good, sharing what we have with others. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. I wish I just knew what God wanted. I just wish I knew what God wanted in my life. Oh, good, perfect. Here we go. He wants the sacrifice of praise... Thanksgiving and praise from your lips, acknowledging his name. He wants you not to neglect to do good and share what you have with others. And if you do that, what did the verse say? Such sacrifices are pleasing to God, right? These things bless God. Now you know what God wants. These things please him, return the glory and praise to God. Eighth thing, almost done. Recognize authority and accountability. In verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. So let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you. Oh. Submit to your leaders. We in America have a problem with this word. Don't we? Soon as it's on a page somewhere, it's like, yep, I'm not listening to that. That is against the rules of Americanese 101. Thou shalt not submit. So let me give you a picture of submission, okay? And maybe it'll help. Your leaders, just like in a marriage, your husband, is the shield bearer for... His unit. Everybody in the unit doesn't have a shield. Just a shield bearer. The shield bearer's job is to keep everybody safe. To keep everybody protected. 
So he goes first, bearing the shield, so that when the attacks come, the attacks hit the shield, and his family is all behind him, right? His unit is behind him, protected. And then when we link several together, you have a fighting unit that is able to not only advance, but protect those behind it. The shield bearer protecting those behind it. Those who are fighting with their spears and swords are fighting through the gaps between the shields. That's how they did it. So when the Bible says, submit to those who are in leadership, it's saying, would you please just stand behind the shield? Because it's hard to protect you out there. You go way off on the flank someplace and I can't get a shield on you. And if I can't get a shield on you, you're going to get hammered. And, and I'm going to give an account. Jackie, how come you didn't protect them? Or, husband, how come you didn't protect your wife? So the Bible says, wives, submit to your husband. What's it mean? Get behind the shield. Get behind the shield. Get behind the shield. And make the work that they do a benefit, a pleasure, not a hassle. Look, I was in the Marine Corps. You guys ever heard of fragging? Okay, fragging is when there's somebody in your unit that is such a pain in the neck and won't listen and don't care that when you're out in the middle of a fight, you decide you're going to shoot him instead of the enemy. <laughs> it's real. They call it fragging. Boom, now that problem solved. And we can kind of finally function as a unit. So that, to me, that's a perfect picture of what he's describing here. He's saying, look, for those, those people who have authority and accountability, not, they have authority and they're accountable to God for you. And if, and if they're trying to protect you, allow them to protect you. Just allow them to protect. Allow them to say, yeah, this is probably not good. That might be bad. Oh, it's, why should I have to listen to that? Well, I don't know. The Bible... And it makes it easier to keep spears out of you if you're behind the shield. Does that make sense? If you're behind the shield, there's safety behind the shield. So, respond. Get behind the shield. Why? Because they're trying to protect you. And they'll give an account for it. And let them do so with joy. Don't make it difficult for them. On the ninth point here in chapter 13, the ninth exhortation. Ninth exhortation is rely on the Lord. Rely on God. Don't rely on yourself. Look what he says in verse 18. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. The power of prayer. Paul was never afraid to ask for prayer, was he? Is there... Is, there, is it show weakness to have to ask for prayer? It's okay. It's okay. It's okay if you're sick to call me and say, Jackie, I'm sick. Will you pray for me? Yeah. I'm happy to do that. It's okay to ask your neighbor. Maybe you don't want to talk to me. Maybe you're more comfortable with the person sitting beside you or behind you. It's okay to ask for prayer. It's okay at the end of church to come up and say, I need prayer. 
I got all kind of oil up here. We'll dump oil on your head, anoint you with oil, pray. The Bible, that's what the Bible says to do. Did you know that? It says, have the sick come forward before the elders, anoint them with oil and prayer. And the prayer of faith will heal. It's just the Bible telling us what to do. It's okay, we need prayer. We've got to rely on the power of God, the power of prayer. And then, look at verse 20. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every good that, will, uh, that you may do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The power of prayer and the power of the person. Who's the person? Jesus. He's a good shepherd. Did you catch that? Yeah, he's a great shepherd. He's the shepherd that is able to deliver us. He's ultimately the one watching over us, right? So when we come to God's word and God's word says, Thou shalt not, and we're struggling with it, get behind the shield. Get behind the shield that God is providing you. Submit to His Word. Go before Him in prayer and understand the power of the person who is protecting you, who is watching over you, who has a purpose and a plan for your life, and is already giving you every good thing you need to, to succeed. He's already giving every good thing that you are able to do all that you can do. For He is working in us that which is pleasing in His sight. Through Jesus Christ. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Final point, number 10. Pay attention to this exhortation. Pay attention to these 10 things because they're important and essential for your walk. Respond to the message. Look what he says in verse 22. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation. Hear the words that are coming out of my mouth. I've heard that somewhere before. Listen to what he's saying. Bear with the exhortation. For I have written to you briefly. Rejoice that God answers prayer. Look at the next prayer. Verse 23. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released. And with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. So he's planning on traveling together with Timothy. And greet one another. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. And remember that we need God's grace. For grace be with you all. He's calling us to hold fast to these things. Think about them with me. Respond with love towards the needs of others. Reaffirm your loyalty to God's institution of marriage. Follow the example of godly leaders. Refuse to listen to wrong teaching. Realize through faith in Jesus, this is not my home. Return the glory and praise to God. Recognize authority and accountability. Rely on the Lord and give regard to His exhortation. All in chapter 13. What do we do with the fact that Jesus is the greatest thing ever? Hold fast to him as your treasure. And follow the exhortation that he gives us. Right? Love each other. Move forward. We got a job to do, no? 
a world of perishing people in a sea who can't swim, and you can. All you got to do is swim up to one and teach them. They want to learn. They'll want to know. Just show them the treasure. Show them the beauty of Christ. Allow God to do this great work in and through us. Learn the lesson, the book of Hebrews, and allow it to, to propel us and compel us to be the men and women God's calling us to be. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for the opportunity we have to come before you. Thank you for the opportunity to study your word, to come, to come and open up these pages and recognize, Lord, there's so many things here, God, that, that you are showing us, that you want us to be able to glean, hold on to, that, that it's these things that are to have sway in our life. That we allow the word of God to guide how we do what we do, why we do what we do. That we allow the Word of God to be that foundation upon which we stand. Saying, yes, this, I believe the Word of God. And I'm following it. And let me tell you about it. Let me show you where this leads. Let me show you where not having it leads. God, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to be the ambassadors you're calling us to be. To love the people the way you're calling us to love them. To confront when you call us to confront. To praise your name when you call us to praise. To follow the exhortation written here in the book of Hebrews. To walk the walk that we talk about all the time. That the words, the things we profess, and the deeds that we do come together And show the truth that we are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we have counted the cost and we go outside the camp to suffer the reproaches of Christ rather than the passing pleasures of sin. And we look for our home, a home with Him where we belong. It's our place, what we were made for. God, we pray that you be glorified and magnified in this place as we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.